Well, it's not good morning. Hello. Good afternoon, Sir Hepla. Good morning, afternoon, Nancy Rommelman. I guess it is still morning for you. We're, we're getting a little bit of a late start here, but that's okay. Um, hey, Sarah, you know what I think you and the listeners really want to know? Um, what do we want to know? I think you want the mouse update, don't you? Oh, of course. Okay. Tell me about the mice do in I, your house. Do I have a mouse update? So uh, attentive listeners will recall that I had mice in my house. I had mice in my house to the point where we were just watching them dancing around the kitchen last week. Like, this does not work for me, right? Went away for the weekend, got back. There were dead mice in the traps that I'd left. I set out new traps, and every 45 minutes, and it was getting so awful um, that I, as we we talked on Zoom, I, I went and got a hotel room that night. I just yeah. I just couldn't even stay here. Anyway, I did, our, our, our lovely uh, listener, Jeremy, turned me on to an exterminator. I did have them come. They came the other day. Three dudes, they get here and they're like, I can hear them in the kitchen. They're like, oh shit. It's like, oh, <laughs> God, what? And he comes out, the head guy, um, he's like, you have a lot of mice and you've had wow. them for a while. And there are holes, wow. like holes behind the stove and there's one by the fridge and then the baseboard heating. So they they spent like an hour and they do this thing where they, 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 they spray the magic death dust. And uh-huh. what happens is the, the mice like step in it, then they groom themselves and they're tasting, it's getting in their mouth. And then they go off and desiccate, like they dehydrate. So you're not going to smell dead mouse mice, which is great. It's got that taken care of. Absolutely delighted. But here's the story. So why do I have mice all of a sudden? Why? Why, why is this happening? I've lived here four years. I've seen maybe six mice in four years. Now all of a sudden I'm the, killing four an hour, right? The mice so, are fans of this podcast. They're fans of this podcast. They're like, we're sure, sure, sure. I know. And anyway. I love um, the way they talk about culture. I, I'm not, <laughs> that's right. They had to be around. I'm not sure if I told this story or not. I guess I did on our on our first Sunday Zoom. Guys, become a paid subscriber. You get to hang out and listen to great stories about mice. Twice. On our, twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. But anyway, uh, so it's a small building. There's only five apartments. It's five stories. And um, why now? None of my other neighbors have any. One actually had seen me post about it on Twitter. She's like, oh my God, she's a her boyfriend. At least we don't have what Nancy has. Is it your delicious cooking? Is the is the punchline no, going to be no. your delicious cooking? Because I'm seeing all these little mice with like, like cartoon mice with like the, like they're sniffing the air, you know, like there's a pie that you're making. And that's what I'm seeing in my head. That's what happens. Like I put a pie out and then I come back, it's gone. They've like yeah. parted the pie off. No. So guy that lives two stories down, Billy, I see Billy out in front. Sometimes he's having a cigarette. And I said, do you have mice? He's like, no, no. But do you know why you might? And I'm like, wait, what? He's like, you don't know what happened? What, what happened? Mm. So the building directly next door is, it's sort of a there's like this kind of empty storefront. It's glassed in and they have a sign there like, you know, foot massage coming because there's a million foot massage places in Chinatown. And it's one of these sort of barrier, you know, low, low entry barrier. What's that called? To, low barrier to, for entry. Low barrier for entry to start a business. And of course, in Chinatown here, you have and have traditionally had a lot of people coming into ch- from China and, you know, they kind of like live all smooshed in and try to get jobs and then build lives here. We talked about this book, The Snakehead, that that I talked about, that talked about like all these, you know, immigrants being run through here by this one woman. And it's a great book. And um, it happened literally right in my neighborhood, like my streets. In any case, 
he said, well, yeah, you know that place, it's been empty for like two years. Well, what happened is that it was a rub and tug place. Happy ending. Oh my gosh. Okay, in so your that's neighborhood. What, next door. Okay. So, but that's not, that's not the big part of the story. Okay. So, okay. So they're having a rub it's a big part of the story to me. Next door. Yeah. Well, I thought that that would be a big part yeah. of the story. Oh, but more than that, because the building is sort of the same size as mine. A woman was running this operation and apparently dug some sort of like tunnel in the back to smuggle in, I mean, no you don't way. want to call them illegal, but people that had just come here from China. And she had like dozens of men living on two floors of the building illegally. And then she had to, I guess they had it all scram, but they left like a month's worth of trash. So <gasps> right next door to me in the building was just festering trash for more than a month. And then I guess it got busted and they've, they're trying to clean it up. But apparently it's been a big mess because I wrote to my landlord. I'm like, listen, I just spent 550 bucks for an exterminator. Like I'm paying it. It's fine. But if you guys want to pick up any of this cost and they do, they're mm. going to pick up some of it. Um, but she's like, yeah, it's been a disaster next door. So that's where I think the mice came from. Whoa, that was... Um that story yielded results. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't just going to like lead you down the, you know, little path with no I thought you were no for reward. a second. I did. Yeah, well, I you did. know what? I, I, I kind of that. thought that you were. Yeah. And then I was like, no, you know what? This story paid off. It had, okay. um, yeah, I think <laughs> you did a good surprising. job with it. Yeah, well, it was it, surprising. It, wow, there's just a lot going on in that story. Yeah. I had a small fly problem and I thought of you, you know, because oh. I, I, my, my fly, and by the way, I'm just curious about this. I I try to catch the flies and release them. Do you do that? Uh, uh, no, not with flies, but definitely with like moths and bees and and spiders. I always catch them and release them. Flies, I'm sorry. But no. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. There were a couple that I couldn't. They were too tall. Like, like I'm very short. You know, so it's like I had like, yeah, like there were there were flies that died and I didn't feel too bad. But, you know, one of them was in hand, you know, grasping distance and it was easy enough to just hold them in my hand and go to the window and flick it out. I wondered if other people did that though. I do. Yeah. And, and I have, I get a lot of like little, like sometimes I get little lizards or. Um, oh yeah. Lo I love catching lizards. Yeah. Little catch, yeah. little yeah. lizards in my yeah. house. And then I get um, a fair number of, um, yeah, spiders. And things. and yeah, I don't kill spiders. I, I don't, I don't, I, that, I would feel bad doing that. Yeah. When you said you caught the fly, I immediately like thought of Renfield. Didn't he like, he would eat the fly? I didn't see that movie. Uh, it, well, it's, it's, he's, isn't Renfield like, uh, who is he? He's like, he's, is it from Frankenstein or something? I don't know. That, sorry. Oh, okay. It should, it should be early. I'm tired. I was out late last night at a recent event. So sue me. Yeah. Um, so Sarah, no, here we are. You saw uh, mm -hmm. something very interesting this week. Well, interesting is one word for it. Um, yeah, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Like a movie. It's, it's not a movie. And it's... How no. do you describe what you went to go see? So um, the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, and I, and I don't know who else in Israel, uh, put together a 44 minutes of footage from the um, October 7th massacre. And it's called Bearing Witness to the October 7th Massacre. They showed it initially to some journalists. You have to be invited um, in uh, in Tel Aviv, I believe. 
I know it was also shown in Los Angeles. And then I found out about it from you a couple of days ago. How did you find out about it, by the way? Our listener, Michelle, um, oh. had had texted that to a group chat that I'm in. Great. Uh, that there was going to be some more screenings about it. And I just found that fascinating and sent it over to you. I, I was actually, you know, part of what struck me, I didn't even think about the fact that you could see it. What I was thinking about was I had just been listening to Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern on America This Week, and they were talking about how, you know, um, this war is going to shape Hollywood narratives, you know, that there will be a push, you know, because those guys are always interested in kind of like, like the the people pulling the strings, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and like who's like how will this story affect? How will the the how will it be portrayed in Hollywood? Like for instance, right now there is a there is a propaganda war going on, you know, and there is yeah. a war over over who can win kind of American popular opinion, and Hollywood movies have always had huge sway television and film have always had huge sway. And so when I saw this, I thought, oh, okay, that's really interesting. They're like, they had been targeting, like targeting, they had reached out to um, journalists because of course they're the ones that are writing these stories, but to also reach out to people in Hollywood struck me as very interesting. Well, you're right. It's like how they're, they craft the narrative. This is something that's happening in Israel. Uh, This is something that depending on how you look at it, um, is saying is is being fueled by anti-Semitism. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why it's happening. I don't think it's only anti-Semitism. I don't think a lot of the stuff we're seeing on campuses uh, or even different marches, I don't think so. that is so much fueled by anti-Semitism as, as you put it so well uh, in a previous podcast that, you know, the the sort of hammer of activism has found mm-hmm. its next target, its next nail. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they, they see, they see the Palestinians as oppressed people and they are, you know, just axiomatically for the oppressed and they can cite certain things. And there are certain things obviously that are probably correct. However, I think it, what, sorry. Well, I just had one thought that I wanted to share. You know, you said you don't think it's coming from anti-Semitism, and I think that's correct. Like completely. But I think there is something that I've been watching on college campuses, which is that you can be dismissive and hateful toward a group in power, and it doesn't really count. For instance, this has been going on with white men and white people for many, many years. Um, And I think if you you said, oh, like to to a feminist group on campus, like, like, this is really hateful. They'd be like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Right. They're guys. Right. You know, and I think something similar is going on here where Jewish students are not really seen um, as either a minority group or a vulnerable population. You oh. know, they're not even covered in they, the sort of DEI group. Right. And they can't, they just can't be oppressed. Right. It's like, well, I can't, I can't be, if I'm black, I can't be racist. It's like, what, what is this? It's just like nonsensical. So Um, even if it has like a light anti-Semitism, it's sort of like, eh, it doesn't matter. You know, like, like, especially America, I think Americans really don't have a sense of like how deep and profound the global and historical anti-Semitism is. Oh, absolutely. They absolutely do not. Um, But having said that it's not completely fueled by anti-Semitism, the anti-Semitism is also crazy. I feel as though there's these blatant seeds buried in people. And all of a sudden there was this opportunity to have them 
burst forth, meaning seeds of anti-Semitism. And it's just like, boom, just like a jungle has sprung out of anti- and people's frustrations, hot, heated, crazy frustrations. What was the the video that you asked me this morning if I saw out in Los Angeles outside of the Museum of Tolerance where yeah. they were showing the, the film I'm about to talk about? And, and then out front, because people, everybody, temperatures are running so high. People are so upset and so stressed and so they don't know how to express themselves. And so they're literally fighting. They're fighting each other. I don't know yet. I read the LA Times article. I watched the video several times. I don't know who started this um, this altercation, but it was a punch out. It was a punching, punching fight. Do you know yeah. more N- about Nancy it? Is, Nancy is talking about the fact that they had a Hollywood screening of this, of this Bearing Witness movie, and there is video footage that's floating around the internet and also you know we read a piece in the in the LA Times that just has brawling and apparently you know there was a Palestinian side on one side and there was an Israeli side on the other you know i mean just like it's like this whole like like little microcosm of the whole problem and Mini they Gaza. start yeah and they start yelling at each other um and eventually this gets taken to a shell gas station where there is just a brawl and the L.A. Times reporters glasses get or I guess he just said a reporter's glasses get get broken and a woman gets punched in the face. And you just you, you can't figure out who started it or what's going on. I'm seeing it on Twitter, you know, little pieces of the film. I'm seeing both sides use it as like, oh, my yeah. God, look what anti, you know, Look what Zionists did last night. Oh, my God. Look what anti-Israel people did last night. Because you can find little snippets that indict either side um, because it was just it just turned into this brawl. And it's such a mess. I mean, let's just like this is almost an onion headline. Like this happened at the Museum of Tolerance. Yeah. Like, like just, what? Yeah, I, right. Right. OK, so. But but uh, this movie. Yeah. Go. Movie. What World are we calling documentary. it? It's documentary. Documentary. Uh, it's a. I don't. I don't screening? know what to call it. So, yeah, basically, it's a screening of footage that they have yeah. put together. Go ahead, and then I'll, I'll talk footage. a little more about it. Let's okay. say footage. So yeah. before you even saw this footage, you know, one of the things that was going around on Twitter was, um, you know, oh look, Gal Gadot is doing is is screening propaganda mm. at this theater. Mm. You know, um, and it, it's really it, it is shocking because while I have no doubt like look is is the IDF putting this together for for purposes beyond just you're seeing this footage yes I'm sure they hope to to show the brutal truth of what happened and is but this this was shot by Hamas this is not propaganda so a lot of it is shot by Hamas. They they went in quite organized uh, and they had, you know, as everyone pretty much does, they had their phones, but they also had GoPros that they were a lot of like attached to their heads so they could, they could document this. Uh, the footage also comes from the victim's own phones. Uh, it comes mm-hmm. from security footage. It comes from traffic cams. Uh, there's a lot of footage. And we were, you know, we were told um, how it was harvested they definitely did not put some things in there that they thought would be too horrific for different family members. They also, we saw the deaths of 138 people and that is less than 10% of the people that were killed that day. Um, It was a, 
it was interesting. So it, it took place uh, on the Upper East Side. Um, what is it? The United Jewish Committee, UJC, I think. Uh, they were, which had nothing to do with the actual um, film itself. It's just they allowed the IDF to come and use the theater. Uh, there was a lot of security getting in, as there as there often is when you're in in Israel in general, and and because you know there's always. <laughs> people wanting to kill them. <laughs> um, and then we get upstairs and there's about three dozen of us and you don't really know like what to say. Like everybody's pretty much here by themselves. People didn't really come in groups. And so we did, I did wind up, I, I wrote about it, a piece that I posted yesterday. Um, um, but one thing, sorry, I'm going to interrupt myself here to say when you talked about it being called propaganda, I did have a, a comment. I don't know if it was on my Substack where my article is, we'll put a link in the show notes or if it's on Twitter and someone wrote it and said, oh, yeah, you know, America, when uh, the whole Waco and Branch Davidians was going on, America popped out a turd like this, another a propaganda turd. And I was like, I, 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 I should say I find it shocking that someone could look at this footage and say that, but I don't find it shocking. You asked mm -hmm. a little while ago, why would the IDF put this out? There were a couple of reasons that was mentioned that day in the screening. One is because there are people already pushing back on what happened. I mean, you see people saying, we don't really think this happened. Or just like people mm -hmm. say the Holocaust didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't really mm -hmm. happen. Or I know I saw a thing of some young students today. We're not really sure. We haven't seen any of evidence that Hamas did this. So they mm -hmm. wanted to get on the record what happened. However, people after the after the screening, and I'll, I'll talk a little about it, more about it in a minute, nobody could talk. S speaking felt impossible. We were all sitting there, three dozen people, just in silence. And we were spoken to for, for a little while. They actually had a trauma counselor outside the doors in case we needed it. They told us that before the screening. I don't think anybody went out and used it, not during, maybe mm -hmm. afterwards. I don't know. But um, someone said this first question that was asked, he said, you know, when I was young, I saw footage of the bodies being bulldozed at the concentration camps and it stayed with me and it scarred me. Mm -hmm. Why not, why not show this film widely? Why not show it so people can understand? And the guy said, because people, if they don't want to believe this happened, this is not going to convince them. So I, I understand doing it is, of course, it will eventually, I'm sure, be able to be viewed wisely, but they are just showing it, I think, to people who are in positions um, to, to maybe talk about it somewhat rationally or with heart. I, I wrote a piece that I certainly don't consider to be propaganda. Um, I told you and others what I saw, uh, how it felt to see it, and um Sarah, it's, 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 um, it's, yeah. it's, <laughs> you see, and I'm, I'm not usually at a loss for words, right? I, I, how do you, how do you encapsulate seeing people be slaughtered? How do you write about watching a father in his pajama bottoms with his two young children and they're, this is a, they had a, a camera in their kitchen 
and there's no sound and you just, it's like, obviously there's all kinds of gunfire and everything going outside at seven 30 in the morning. And he's got these boys and they're, he, they're just like trying to figure out like when they can get out the door, when they can get out the door so they can get to the bomb, the, the, the safe shelter. And they, they start, no, no, they run back and then they, they run back and they make it, they make it. And your audience, you're sitting there going, oh yes. And then immediately from the left side of the screen, the hand appears and it just very, very softly tosses in a bomb that goes off. And then you see the father's body just, boom, falls into view and it's slumped. And you hear some sound there because it's coming from a different camera. And then you see the boys are being led out and then they're left in their kitchen and you could hear them now and keening and one kid's eye has been blown out and what can they do? But, and, and then there, the guy comes in, one of the terrorists, he's drinking their soda, kind of like being very dismissive. Like, what's the, like, what's the big deal here, kids, right? And he leads them out. And the audience is just like, no, you, you're, you're, it was so intimate. And then, and then I wrote about it. I have to, I, I, I urge people if they want to know more, they can, they can read what I read because I'm going to be more clear than speaking here. And they, his, the, the mother shows up. She'd been, she hadn't been there when it happened and she sees her husband's body and it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's so terrible. It's so intimate. And every single person here, every person in the world knows what it is like. Well, hopefully everybody knows what it's like to love and to lose. And we're watching people in real time lose everything. And I, I haven't even gotten to the, the absolute gruesomeness. Yeah. Of this, I'm talking these intimate moments. There was a long scene, static scene, no sound of a um, kindergarten room. And it just says kindergarten, but there's no children there. It's just like the teacher. Maybe the kids were going to come later, right? It was it was the Shabbat. So who knows what's happening that day? And there were like 16 little cushions. Like I'm sure that the kids maybe sat on there about like one foot square. And she's, oh my God, Sarah, she's, She's kneeling by the cushions and you can see her like thinking like, can I somehow save my life with these cushions? And you see her like kind of like pushing them and then like almost like maybe almost burrowing into it. But it's so, you know, you know, this is not going to work and it doesn't work. And it's just, you're watching this all and it's, it's overwhelming. Um, I and then say, yeah, go. I just want to say a few things about this piece um, because I didn't get a chance to read it until this morning. I found it extraordinary. Um, you know, I like you as a writer always. You're, you know, you're my girl. But like every once in a while, it's like you find an, you know, they call. Hello, Smoke and We've Got Them listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Heppla. Sarah Heppla, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh, interim moment for you. Um, we're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.